I'm just gonna say going in raw. <laughs> we'll leave that. Welcome back to Gumshoe Weekly, the epicenter for murder, mystery, and mayhem. My name is Jughead. Sorry, I totally got a phone call. Hold on. I don't have time for this. Who the fuck is that? Uh, it was my uncle, but it sounded like a prank call. Your uncle was prank calling you? I guess. I don't know. That's so cute. Anyway, let's do this. <laughs> I don't have time for this bullshit. I don't have time for my grown man uncle to prank call me. Which one? Does. <laughs> oh, definitely a prank call. Well... I'm Jughead still. No. <laughs> I'm Brianna. Uh, thanks for joining us for another fun-filled technical difficulty week. Yep. It's almost like we don't know what we're doing half the time. If the audio cuts in and out, sorry. Yeah. That's all we got for you. Because we almost cried like six times trying to fix it. <laughs> it did take us only like 15 minutes, but they were 15 stress-filled minutes. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I think we should just jump right in. Let's just jump right in. Do you have a question for us? Uh, yeah. If you can be reincarnated as any animal, what would it be? Ooh. That's mm-hmm. a really good one. Thanks. I think I would say a brown bear. Okay. Why? Oh my god, there's actually a movie about that. I didn't even yes. realize it when I said it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do a brother bear root. But because they're just so big and strong. Have you ever seen one of those things shaved? And peaceful? No, that would be so gross. It's terrifying. It looks like a weird rat ball sack. Oh, <laughs> I feel like that goes for a lot of shaved things, though. This is true. Um, I, God, I'm just getting so paranoid that it's not. I have to stop it to listen to it. <laughs> I'm getting so worried. No, good? don't record as a second track, you ass. I guess just record as a second track, and we'll just cut them together later. It's fine. It's Fine. They're also humongous and vicious, and I like that, too. <laughs> what would you choose? Um, I think I would want to be, like, one of those really cute little monkeys. Oh, a capuchin? Yeah. Like the, one, the little ones from the museum? Yeah, something like that. Those really cute little ones. Or a little spider monkey. Yeah, or as uh, one of those dogs that people, like, are obsessed with, and then, like, some old white lady would just give me my own mansion. Yeah, and you could have an Instagram. Yeah. Yes. I'd be insta-famous, finally. <laughs> You'd be like Cream Brother the cat. Exactly. Yes. Okay, I'm into that. <laughs> One of those two cute little things. I love it for you. <laughs> I chose big and vicious, so... <laughs> I chose cute and pampered. <laughs> we have different priorities, and we're still friends. If I had to choose something big and vicious, it would obviously be a lion, because I am a Leo. A whole lion. (laughs) A whole lion. I have a question, and it's, if not, it's very similar to your question, but of a different mindset to it. And it's, if, do you know the premise of the Animorphs? Uh, Isn't it like they change into a different animal? They can change into different animals, but they all wear watches, because... You have to change back before it's been an hour or you get stuck as that animal forever. And then, because it happened to, I think his name was Ezekiel, he turned into a hawk, right? And since he was, like, up in some rafters or some shit, like, 
spying, because they were doing spy shit with them. <laughs> he couldn't change back because he would have gotten, like, killed. So he had to stay as a hawk. And so he forever is a hawk. And he shows up in some of the books, but he slowly loses his humanity as a hawk. Oh, shit. And turns into a hawk fully. And, like, there's nothing left of their friend. Yeah. So if that was going to happen to you, what would you choose? I feel like a hawk would be a pretty solid idea. You just fly around. Yeah, and you're endangered, so if somebody kills you, they get, like... Arrested or something. Yeah. Something happens. Yeah. We both know. (laughs) (laughs) We're just not telling you. But that's what I mean. Like, it's something, like, it's illegal to kill you. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm going to lose my humanity, I want to be able to do some cool shit. I don't want to be, like, a fucking lizard or something. That's true. And also, why didn't he just fly away? (laughs) <laughs> he was in the You're rafters of a building or something. I have to get all the books. Mm. I have some of them, but I don't have all of them. Mm. Um, they also get that power from, like, fucking aliens or some shit. Interesting. Yeah. The aliens are very off-putting to look at. They're on the cover on some of the books. And you're like, ugh. Ugh. It's really <laughs> gross. Um, I don't like the way the covers of those books look anyway. Yeah. Where it's like a... Girl turning into a fucking lizard? I yeah, that and you see, like, the slow... I, I yeah. hate them, but I love them. Because it feels like home. <laughs> um, I would choose, like, a kraken or a giant squid or something. Because I would want to devastate some pirate ships. That's so pretty legit. I would take them down with my big squid arms. <laughs> I think I'd just be scared of the water. Like, That's obviously true. you're used to it. As, as like, I, a squid. As I was saying it, I was like, but then I never get the feeling of getting out of the water. Yeah. And there's something about it. It's scary. I don't know what I would do if I was trapped in some water like a sim. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, thank you. I'm mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we both had <laughs> glad that mine was not awful. <laughs> fun recreation. <laughs> okay, let's slap our hands. Alrighty. Oh, also, to whoever is using your Alepsa to listen to us, this is a shout-out to you. <laughs> Alepsa. Alepsa. Because <laughs> we see that some of you are doing that. We know. We know. We're just so honored that you want to listen to us while you mop. <laughs> we love it. You want our voices shouting through your house as you do things. <sighs> okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Paper. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock. Rock, <laughs> paper, scissors, shoot. Rock. Paper. Did you win? One and one, I think. Okay. Rock, <laughs> paper, scissors, shoot. Rock. Scissors. I just chose rock every time you guys. Scissors me timbers. <laughs> scissors me timbers. I think you mean shiver. Oh, honey. Okay. So, I'm going to choose for you to go first. You bastard. I'm a bastard. I'm a bastard. I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh, I love it because you get it now. Oh, <laughs> You starting to watch Game of Thrones is like one of the best things you could have done. Um, when we called Alonzo's best friend to tell him that Alonzo had proposed, uh-huh. <laughs> he went, oh, yay, I'm not a bastard anymore. My mom and dad are going to get married. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. I'm ready. I have my coffee. You guys didn't get to see it, but since we have technical difficulties, we have everything propped up, and the only way to get out of my chair was to crouch and run, so (laughs) I just, like, ran crouching out of my room, and it was very embarrassing. Alrighty. 
So, Dr. Barry Taff, in August of 1974, was browsing in a local bookstore with a co-worker, I believe by the name of Kerry Gaynor, mm-hmm. discussing his latest case. Um, a woman, after overhearing his conversation, approached him in need of help. But it wasn't your typical help you need from a doctor for a cold or a fever. Dr. Taff is a world-renowned parapsychologist, which is the study of alleged psychic, excuse me, psychic phenomena, 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 and, <laughs> and other paranormal claims. He's also a biomedical engineer and psychophysiologist. Yes, <laughs> I wrote it the other way. Oh, okay. Um, so the woman was Doris Bithers. And she needed help with her haunted house. So, of course, Dr. Taff agreed, thinking this would be his typical case. Nothing new or phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So, on August 22nd, my birthday, <laughs> <laughs> he went to Doris's home at 1154-7 Broderick Drive, a small, squat, orange house located in Culver City in Los Angeles suburbs. Excuse me, in the Los Angeles suburbs. And he took an instant notice of the state the home was in. In short, it was filthy. Ew. And this woman was living in squalor. It would later be revealed that the home had been condemned twice. No! Yeah. He also said he felt pressure in his ears when going inside. Okay, so that's, that's not at all weird. related to borders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess these are just some of the things he noticed. So, Doris was a single mother of four kids. She had one six-year-old girl and three boys um, age... 10, 13, and 16. The boys she seemed to have a strained relationship with. Nope. The eldest especially seemed to hold on to a lot of dark and resentful feelings towards her. Oh, okay. Um, it's said that an unconscious mind that is troubled um, from an abusive environment with negative upbringings is a hotbed for paranormal activity. Either attracting it or psychosomatically creating it. Um... The conversation Doris initially had with Dr. Taff, she had told him she was the victim of an abusive childhood and to that day was demonstrating symptoms of a deep psychological trauma. So she's kind of like festering in it. Mm-hmm. Um, she spoke about her multiple abusive relationships and her long history of substance abuse. Still, this didn't make him immediately dismiss the case. These discoveries added to his skepticism and possibly heightened the degree of the investigation. Ooh. She went on to confess she went on to confess her attacks. She spoke of sometimes working around the house and just bumping into ghosts. Okay. Super chill. <laughs> Imagine you're walking to your bathroom and you just bump into somebody that's not there. <laughs> no. <laughs> I uh, don't want to. <laughs> okay. So she also confessed that there were in fact three entities. Two smaller ones that would hold her down while a third larger entity raped her. No. Yeah. This caused some skepticism from Taft and his colleagues until seeing that these attacks left marks on Doris's body indicative of rape, including bruises on her inner thighs and on her throat. Dr. Taft also talked to Doris's children, who first told Dr. Taft about the entity they called Mr. Who's It. Mr. Who's It? Yeah. Which all four kids had claimed to witness on numerous occasions. While the relationship wasn't the best, they spoke of sometimes intervening on the attacks and the results being one of the one of violence. On one occasion, one of the boys' arms was broken by the ghosts. Yeah. So during the interviews with them, cabinets would fly open, pots and pans would be flung to the floor with no reason or anyone around. They even went to look so far as to look to see if any earthquakes had happened and they didn't realize it, and there was nothing. 
Taft noted that their depictions of the entities were remarkably accurate, not just matching each other's, but also in details common to entities from his other cases. Ooh. The combined testimonies of the family convinced Dr. Taft. Taft. He brought in specialized lighting, high-speed cameras, and audio recording equipment, as well as a team of up to 30 colleagues from the UCLA. Wow. On their first official investigation of the entity in Doris Bithers' home, Dr. Taft requested that she attempt to get a visible manifestation by provoking the beings. She was asked to curse and yell, and the results? The lights appeared to shoot through the room, arching in mid-air. A green mist rose from one corner, and the form of a man's torso, upper torso, became visible from within the unnatural fog. Um, there just was the torso? Just the torso. <laughs> there was no distinguishing details except the torso, but it did reportedly show, reportedly show what looked like defined muscles, so it looked like the torso of a man, just like a little thicker, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So this led them to believe that it was a male. Most of these events became impossible to record, and the pictures taken shown only a free-floating arc of light over Doris, which I should probably get for you. Oh. Oh. Is so, that mm-hmm. her? Yes. Do you want to describe what you're seeing? Okay, so it's a room of people, right? Ooh, and sorry. And there are, like, <laughs> let me just make sure we're still recording. There are, um, there's, like, people sitting in the room around her, but there's this girl sitting on a bed by herself. And then it, are those people taking, I can't tell by the lighting if they're trying to take a picture or not. Someone took a picture though, obviously, but it's a girl sitting on a bed by her, or a woman sitting on a bed by herself and there's an arc of light above her that you can see, like. It's like a, it looks like somebody took like a white marker and kind of drew over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was like, that's the famous picture of Doris Bithers that's like most, uh. When you look her up, that's what you see. Mm -hmm. So they said that they went into the house while she was in the house, and they took a lot of pictures of the home. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the pictures showed, like, on the wall, like, fuzzy white. There was a lot of flying orbs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. A lot of flying orbs. But then when they had her leave the house, they took a lot of pictures, and there was nothing. It was clear. Oh. So it was, like, attached to her. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it was attached to her. Um, the pictures ended up coming out clear when she wasn't in the house. Um, so the investigation took over 10 weeks before there were any real conclusions from the investigation. Uh, a new phenomena emerged that would be called the entity, which is um, which Doris described as a humanoid. Don't really know what that means. <laughs> a humanoid is, it's... Um shape that appears to be like a human but it doesn't it but there's something off about it yeah it's not like it would be like a creature um i'm trying to think of yeah it would be okay so like the aliens were humanoid in shape like big okay. you can tell it's an alien but instead of being like covered but it in tentacles and stuff, and it's, stuff like yeah that. it's okay. bipedal it's that makes sense straight up and down you know kind of thing Okay, um, but in the end, Dr. Taff and his team did everything they could for Doris Bithers and her family, but the family ended up just moving away, first to San Bernardino, first to San Bernardino, California, then Texas, and then back to San Bernardino. Um, with each new move, the ent- entity followed Doris Bithers and her family. Oh. Yeah. 
In the late 1980s, her children now grown, Doris disappeared from the spotlight. And in 1995, Doris passed away at the age of 58 from cardiopulmonary failure. Um, while it was stated that her death was the result of multiple organ failures, the precise cause of Doris Bither's untimely death was never medically determined. So. Oh. Yeah. So the ghost always was with, the entity was always with her? Yes. Always? Yes. Her, that was haunted. What they say, and I don't know if this is like in other cultures, but ever since I was little, they always said like, don't put your beliefs in other things other than God. Meaning, like, don't um, don't make out these celebrities and stuff like that to be God. Because mm-hmm. then you're you're taking your focus away from what what keeps you in the light, kind of thing. Right. Um, but I feel like that's any kind of religious thing. <laughs> to me, it's like I don't think you should put all your faith into one something that is human. If you're a mm-hmm. spiritual person, you shouldn't put your faith into, like, Kim Kardashian or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because then that that leaves you open to things attaching themselves to you, like demons and stuff like that, attaching themselves to you. And then you're leaving yourself open. Like, So you think that's what she did? I think probably from her upbringing and stuff like that, that probably... Because you're also festering in that negativity, and that can cause... Again, you're leaving yourself open. You're susceptible to anything kind of attaching itself onto your your being. Ooh. I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it. It's just something that no, I've always grown sense. up knowing. Uh-huh. Like, don't idolize celebrities or these things that you see out there because they're not good for you. They're they're evil. If that uh-huh. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. In 2009, a ghost theory, which I believe is a blog, interviewed Doris's middle son, Brian Harris who stated, we all experienced some form of attack. There was the pushing, biting, scratching, and scratching being done to us. There were about four entities in the home, and they made themselves known by appearing all the time. I think it took a lot of energy for them to do that, too. He described the entities as follows. It was always like a fog, like a human, but not quite. During one incident, Brian, who was in his early teens at the time, attempted to intervene on his mother's attack and was thrown across the room. Probably about the same time that he had broken his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, after all that, Dr. Tav had this to say about the ordeal. Contrary to what many people believe, the case of Doris, Bither, Doris Bithers was not, in my professional opinion, the result of spectro- spectral rape, a.k.a. spectrophilia, but a rather disturbingly real poltergeist outbreak, wrote Dr. Taff in his blog. I could not find his blog. <laughs> Um, The link that they had there didn't work. Unfortunately, the amassed data on the case does not in any way support ghostly sex. But back in the mid-1970s and my mid-20s, such a notion notion was intriguing to say the least. It's a weird line to draw. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, there was a ghost, okay? Yeah. Playing a raper. That seems like arbitrary distinction. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Um, but other than that, they never really like helped her with anything. It's just completely unexplained, and it could. I, I definitely believe in those kinds of things. Ghosts, ghosts, demons, things that can attach themselves onto you, spiritual Mm -hmm. being things. I a hundred percent believe in those things. Mm -hmm. So I can see her upbringing being so harsh that it, it if it festers and creates something in mm-hmm. her that can now, even if it didn't like 
she didn't create it from herself. She left herself open to for something to attach itself to her. Right. Because it was following her from home to home to home. So it wasn't like it was a house that was haunted. It was, yeah, no, it was something attached to her that was haunted. It's just like in, um, what's that one movie where, uh, Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Where they say that it was a ghost following the girl. Yeah. And they didn't realize it because it didn't, like, manifest itself until they moved there. Yeah. Pretty much. And there was a movie that was created named The Entity based on Doris Bithers, but... Um, in the movie, they, like, solved her problem. Like, oh. fucking Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. But in reality... Well, we reality, busted her. Yeah. So... I didn't do shit. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> we solved it. You didn't solve shit! Yeah. <laughs> I solved it. <sighs> that was, um... Very unsettling. Deeply unsettling. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I like ghost movies a lot. But for me, it also has to be, like... Like, good, good. I have to believe it. So, mm-hmm. like, The Conjuring and shit like that, those are very good. <laughs> I never watch them. I never plan to. Oh, yeah, you don't do scary movies. I don't do scary movies. I watched some of the Paranormal Activity ones, and I fucking hated it. <gasps> I was like, that's terrifying. That's like the one with fucking Dakota Fanning when she was younger. I think, it was hide- I think it was called Hide and Seek. Oh, Yeah! Did not fuck with that. That one. was a good one. I think I have that on DVD. No, thank you. <laughs> Very good. Um, the movie theater is open again this week, so I can't wait to go see more scary movies. <laughs> Actually, open in two days. Oh, side note: I went to St. Augustine two days ago, mm-hmm. and we ended up because my dad's family lives up there, so we ended up visiting them for dinner, and then me and Alonzo went to the medieval torture museum. Oh, yeah. Good thing we didn't go with Katie. Yeah, was it too scary for her? It the the way that they make the mannequins look re- like real, <laughs> so it was kind of scary. Even like I knew everything was fake, but I didn't want to like get too close to anything. Oh, because it was like kind of fucking you creepy. Out. Yeah, oh. it was scary. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You spared her. Yeah, <laughs> so it was good that we didn't go with her. <laughs> wow. Okay, are you ready for my yeah. my story? Is like it'll be like a fun. <laughs> A chill one? <laughs> It'd be like a good energy to end this one on. That's All good. All right, good. We can Instead of a scary energy. <clears throat> okay, so. Hmm. Mine is an entirely different mystery. What if it was the same exact mystery? <laughs> I was doing it and I was like, I hope she didn't do this one. <laughs> I know, I feel like you're always like, what are you doing? And then I was like, the likelihood that we ever do the same story is like, wild. It'll never happen. It's happened. It's happened before, but that was when we were doing direct, like, Oh, yeah. We were doing a murder house. Yeah. <laughs> when you Google murder house, it gives you four. <laughs> this is true. Okay, go on. So I feel like it won't happen. Um, but also, I, I feel like it would be more likely to happen if it was something we had both been reminded of in an episode. That would be different. Where you're like, well, we just did this episode. Okay. <clears throat> Buried treasure is one of the most hyped up, exhilarating quests for people to set their sights on. Everyone wants to do their own Goonies adventure. Uh, find a dusty map from your grandpa in the attic. Take your close-knit friend group and reluctant brother on a dangerous, action-packed adventure leading you through <laughs> crazy series of events to a long-hidden booby-trap-covered treasure. Uh-huh. If there is ever a treasure-hunting opportunity knocking... I said that whole sentence bad. 
If there is ever a treasure hunting opportunity knocking, I'm sure you'd all answer. One such opportunity, if you can solve the three cipher texts, is the Beale Papers. Have you heard of those? I have not ever heard of those. So there are three discrete texts originating in 1819, um, all describing separate things. The first one being the location, the second being the contents of the treasure, and the third, the name of the treasure owners and their next of kin. So the story is that Thomas J. Beale buried treasure in Bedford County, Virginia in the 1820s. Um, He had an iron box with the encrypted messages in it that he gave to an innkeeper named Robert Morris with the agreement that Robert would keep the papers and then if he didn't return from this expedition he was going on if he or his cohorts didn't return in the next 10 years that Robert Morris would open it. Okay. So he had contacted him. He gave him a box and then he contacted him telling him he would send him the keys to solve it in a few months. Mm -hmm. But he never sent it and he vanished. Oh, shit. Yes. So, Morris didn't open the box for 23 years and still he held on to them until just before his death where he gave the papers to a friend. We don't know if Robert knew what he had in his possession, but his friend spent the next 20 years trying to decrypt them. He solved one, and then he ended up publishing all three in hopes that someone would get lucky and be able to solve this big mystery. So, the decoded message... Oh, here's like a little glimpse of what the messages look like. So here's the whole... Here's the picture. Is that just, like, numbers and stuff? Yeah. It's all numbers. There are three of them. They all look like that. He decoded number two, and this is what it read. I have number two being what what was contained in the treasure. So, I have deposited in in the county of Bedford, about four miles from Buford's, in an excavation or vault... Six feet below the surface of the ground, the following articles, belonging jointly to the parties whose names are given in number three herewith. The first deposit, the, the first deposit consisted of ten hundred and fourteen pounds of gold, and thirty eight hundred and twelve pounds of silver, deposited November eighteen nineteen nineteen. Wait, November eighteen nineteen. The second was made December 1821 and consisted of 907 pounds of gold and 1,288 of silver, also jewels, obtained in St. Louis in exchange to save transportation and valued at $13,000. The above is securely packed in iron pots with iron covers. The vault is roughly lined with stone and the vessels rest on solid stone and there are and are covered with others. Paper number one describes the exact locality of the vault so that no difficulty will be had in finding it. Jeez. <laughs> so, the second cipher, um, so you might be wondering where the treasure is from. Uh, Thomas Beale found a mine in New Mexico that contained gold and silver, using 30 men and I assume splitting most of the treasure with them, and making three trips to the hidden place where he kept the treasure. He made this huge stockpile. Um, This led him to then write the coded papers. Uh, It also, when they totaled up how much, like, 
stuff he must have deposited based on what he said. They said it was about three tons worth of treasure, and it would be worth, like, around $43 million. Oh, my fuck. Today. So, <clears throat> the idea behind um, this code that they used, uh, the code, so ciphers are always based, you always use a key to solve a cipher, right? So, um, the code is then established based on a key that two people agree on, usually. Um, but they go, okay, we're going to use this. And then since you saw that that was all numbers, it'll tell you what page to go on, what word and what line, that kind of thing. And then using that, you would then trade, trade the letters into number, the numbers into letters, which would then make words essentially. (laughs) Okay. Or you could do ones where it just took full words where you're like the 219th word, the 43rd word, and then that would make its own sentence. There are two different ways to do it, but they solved the second cipher mm-hmm. um, using the copy of the United States of Declaration, United States Declaration of Independence. Um, so they would find the word corresponding to the number, and then take the first letter of that word, and then that's how they were building it. So he didn't use the original version of it. But they were still able to solve it. But it did take that guy 20 years to solve just the Jesus one. Jesus Christ. Um, I just want to say. Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of time on their hands. Yes. I can barely get these fucking stories done. People, <laughs> and these people are out here making yeah, treasures. Making fucking ciphers. And it kept reminding me of the story that you did about the guy who had those. Brian Weiss. Yeah. Yes. So, this dude went around the world and fucking dug chart like I can't. Yes. So, I barely find enough time to take a shit. Like, <laughs> I just keep doing it in my pants. Yeah. I just stick my ass out the window when I'm driving. <laughs> just shit on the floor. So, Almost like a horse. <laughs> it also was reminding me a lot of Blind Spot. Do you ever watch that TV show? Mm-mm. It's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really good show. I always wanted to watch it when it was on TV and then I never got around to it. So it's on Hulu now. So I started watching it like last year. Mm-hmm. But it's this woman whose body is covered completely in tattoos, but she wakes up in the middle of Times Square with no memory. Oh, me and Alonzo started to watch it, and I was like, I can't with this. It's so good. But a lot of the stuff they solve using ciphers, because the tattoos all mean a certain thing, but they don't mean the thing you immediately think. Like, you have to decode every single one. Uh So I think you probably saw it, because I think it happens in the first or second episode, when they first take her in, they photograph every single tattoo. Mm-hmm. And then that's what the main person, she just, the scientist or whatever, the crime lab girl, whomever, she's really good and she actually voices um, Ellie in The Last of Us. Oh. But she, um, she just, that's all she does all day long is look at all the tattoos and try to decode what it might mean. But that's what it reminded me of because they use like, it is like a treasure map. Yeah. Her body's like a treasure map. But they use ciphers and shit to decode it. Hmm. Nobody has ever solved those two other texts. The location or the people who it belongs to. No one's ever solved it. Or their next of kin. Um, Which also, I think a lot of people want to solve because they want to be like, I'm the next of kin. (laughs) I am on here. And they've used a bunch of different texts that came out around that time. Um, like the Magna Carta, the Louisiana Purchase, the 
versions of the Bible, the Constitution, the Virginia Royal Carter. They've used all of these things and they still haven't solved it. So, even to today, there are still treasure hunters who are still focusing on it. But they always are. I mean, you know all the treasure yeah. hunting movies. They're like, it's Stevie's treasure and everyone <laughs> forgot about it, but I have an angle. Yeah. And it's always an angle. It's always this other idea I have. It's always... Well, during this year, there was actually a book in circulation that never got, it got published, but then they all, all the copies got burned except for three, and I have one of them, and it fits perfectly to this, and I'm going to solve this. So people to this day are still looking for it, um, to the point where everyone in that town hates, hates it, hates it, (laughs) because people would come and blow up the ground in their fields, and then a cow would fall into the hole and break their legs. Oh my god. Yeah, it's terrible. But they wouldn't ever fill them in. It's yeah. rude as fuck. So now the, the cops, though, make them yeah. come and refill them in. Go fill that fucking hole back, you asshole. Because they sneak, they sneak in and they fucking do this shit. It's not yeah. like they're like, yeah, come on over. Alright, come what blow up assholes? holes. Specifically, like, dig the holes. Why are you using TNT, you yeah. assholes? <laughs> so, still hasn't been recovered. Still, the other shit hasn't been decoded. But some people think it hasn't been decoded for a reason. Some people think this is all a very elaborate 1819 hoax. <laughs> so, which would then mean it's an 1888 hoax because the paper was published by the guy who published all three of them in 1888. A lot of people are saying that that's the guy who wrote them and not the guy who was besieged them by two other people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of really fun rumors around how it originated. One of the most fun being um, that they thought it was Edgar Allan Poe um, just because he really liked ciphers. <laughs> he liked to write into... He, there's this, like, paper... There are these papers that would publish ciphers and he would write in with the solves all the time. So people think it was him, but then they were like, he died before it was published, so that's uh... not him. Um, but then there were also certain, like, holes in it that people brought up like um there's certain like okay so this the last the third one they said it's not long enough to list um people and their kin like it's just not a long enough page um there there are people who have questioned why he would have written um three separate ones with different keys for each of them um Oh, and then they also uh, analyzed the language, and they used certain words that weren't really popularized yet. They used certain um, phrases that wouldn't be right, and they, like, used conjunctions that weren't so popular yet or weren't invented yet. So that's why people think that it was a hoax. Um, This one is the funniest one. (laughs) Funny because, like, it's so capitalism. Um, (laughs) So... The guy who published them, he had deciphered one of them, and he published them all, but they were for sale. They weren't published to a paper. (laughs) Uh And he published them at the time in 1888, $0.50 a paper. But that would equate to $14.23 today. (laughs) So um, he uh, put out the circulation on it, and everyone thinks that his motivation was just to make a lot of money on this paper, this, like, four-page pamphlet. <laughs> and so, if he was making fourteen twenty-three a pop on it, and everyone was fucking buying it, like, if he was, you know, yeah. it's still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 
So that one is like the funniest one um, to me on the possibilities of the hoax. Um, okay, so anyways, there are a lot of theories about why it isn't real. Um, and then there was another one that said that they thought there was never a Thomas Beale, there was never a Robert Morris, and the guy who helped publish the paper, his name was like James Ward, was actually the friend <laughs> who had ended up with the text. Um, and they were just the same guy because they were like, some of the language is used the same way. So it could have been the same author, but they didn't prove it's a hoax. So it's still out there. Everyone just keep trying to decipher it. <laughs> so, but I, I, I love ciphers. Fucking, what is it? The, uh, the Zodiac used ciphers. Like so many people use ciphers. Mm-hmm. Ciphers are so, and it's always like somebody who was reading their newspaper while the news was on and then they saw it and they were like mm, and they think about it and then like they come to the police station three days later and they're like i think it says this and then they're like <laughs> how did you know god that one movie i watched about the zodiac it has mark ruffalo in it and it has robert downey jr in that one that's what happens that's are you sure it's not called the zodiac it could be called the zodiac I'm pretty sure it's called the zodiac i'm also pretty sure it's called the zodiac <laughs> That was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Anyways, ciphers are just so fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the one biggest hole that people want to poke in it is why would somebody go through the uh, the time to do it? And then it's like, why do they go through the time to do any of them? They're always... Yeah. They're always like a fucking weird secret. It's a map, but it only works if you spray lemon juice over it <laughs> delicately and then hold it above a flame, but not on the flame. I think that was... I think I just told you about the fucking... The, the one where Nicolas Cage steals the Declaration of Independence. Pretty sure I just told you that. Treasure hunting is very fun and interesting. I agree. And that's my whole point. That's why we should go geocaching like we keep saying we're going to do. We should go geocaching. That's what I'm saying. I just think there are a lot of things in life that we don't need to have motivation for, but it's, I think it's always not as clear cut. Like, why would you do this? Well. Why not? Why not? Spice life up a little bit. You're like, it made perfect sense to me to make three totally decrypted texts and then gift them to a person just for them to not have anything done with them for 60 years <laughs> like it made perfect sense for me and i did it yep so yeah i agree if any of you guys solve the beal papers don't tell anyone go find the shit and then tell everyone yeah. after you find the shit and then let us know and we get a cut because we told you about the story we get a cut and notoriety and you just tell the paper you heard about it from us yep. and then we'll get like just like so many royalties yep it'll be amazing mm-hmm. this is our legacy <laughs> you are our legacy children you are our legacy gumshoe babies <laughs> we need you Alrighty, that was fun that was fun i'm glad we've inspired another generation of private detectives because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's what we're here for this is for children only. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah fuck yeah <laughs> teaching kids Mm-hmm. Learning and shit. Learning and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out again, you guys. As always, it's been fun. We've missed you. We love you. Yep. And if next week's audio quality is weird, it's just because uh, the paperclip stopped working. <laughs> so, if you want to see the pictures from this story, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Gumshoe Weekly. And on Facebook at Gumshoe Pod. Um, and if you want to email us suggestions on things you think we should talk about, or if you have any little fun facts, either for us or for us to say on the podcast, 
disclose that information as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. We love your secret emails, but still, we mm-hmm. want to know if they're secret. <laughs> Anyways, you can find us at gumshoeweekly at gmail.com. That is all. Bye. Bye.